Uh, guys, welcome to High Point. My name is Andy, the lead pastor here, and we are starting a brand new series called That Wasn't On My Bingo Card and Other Things I Didn't See Coming. True story. If you're like, yeah, right, that's not the name of the series. Yes, it actually is. That is exactly the name of the series because so much of life is, is not something that's very predictable, is it? I mean, when you think about your bingo card, it's a lighthearted attempt, right? To, to have a little bit of a teaching series on things that you didn't see coming, right? But, but with a bingo card, you've got the nice little tight squares, right? And everything fits inside B24, right? And you take your little token and you put it in there and it's got its nice little, you know, it's got its nice little square and you're trying to connect it and, and get a line all the way across. And the reality is that life is never clean. It never has just a little simple line connecting all the dots. And rarely does it feel like you can just shout out bingo and everything just, you know, I'll take my prize and thank you. It just doesn't work that way. Life is messy, is it not? You are all in places in your life that you didn't anticipate. You've got things you didn't expect, things that were surprises, things that were not on your bingo card. It's not on here. You're right. It's off the script. And so much of following God, that faith journey, it looks and feels a lot like that. Are we okay? All right. Let's just give it up for Jason this morning, you guys. <laughs> Terrific. Um, I'm going to let you know, first off, I feel a little bit like I'm at a WWE. Like, I feel like this should be descending from the ceiling, you know, and me kind of working up the crowd. So I've got this today. I'm going to let you know right now. I'm going to lose about 14 pounds in sweat today. I don't know what it is, but it's hot to me. So just... Bear with me. Uh, one other thing, I mentioned this already as we're getting ready to transition to the text um, uh, in some of our passing conversations, but we're in a building right here. This is a, one of the oldest churches in all of Kennesaw. And in terms of, that wasn't on my bingo card, right? Uh, we didn't know how, you know, post-pandemic, we were booted out of our school and we weren't sure where we were going to meet or how we were going to meet. And for a while, we were even meeting outside right? And so th this church uh, gave us the ability to meet here, and so we've been meeting here. Uh, but I am pleased to tell you and excited to tell you that we are moving to a new location. We're returning to our school that we were in, and it's going to afford us better space for our kids, a better check-in process, um, uh, bathrooms, and access to those bathrooms that doesn't have everybody see you get up and walk through doors. Um, and more sanctuary space, et cetera, et cetera. So it's going to be a great move, and that's happening in July, and I'm super excited about it. Wanted to let you know, in case you didn't, uh, or if you're sitting here and you're like, wow, that was an awkward check-in process for my kids. I know, it is. And that's the beauty of a 120-year-old church building. Praise God. Turn to Luke chapter 24. <clears throat> It's right after Easter Sunday, the very first Easter Sunday. Now, nobody would have called it that. In fact, nobody would have called it Resurrection Sunday either. Because nobody has any idea what is going on right now. Jesus died on a cross. 
Am I coming through? There it is. All right. Jesus, it was, the mic was resurrected. Thank you. Jesus has died on a cross. The teacher, the miracle man, the rabbi, he was dead. He's been dead for roughly three days, buried in a tomb. And we've got people who do not know what on earth is going on. And here we have in Luke chapter 24, verse 13, the road to Emmaus, two disciples who are leaving Jerusalem after all these events, and they don't know what is up from down. Here we are in verse 13. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you guys, what are you talking about? What are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them named Cleopas asked him, are, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that have happened there in these days? Like, bro, are you telling me you don't know what's going on? Like, what is wrong with you? What things, he asked. You got to love Jesus. Oh, so coy in this moment. Verse 19, what, what are you talking about? Like, what things? Tell me more. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but it, they didn't find his body. They came and they told us that they'd seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said. They did not see Jesus. So Jesus is walking with these two people, one named Cleopas or Cleopas. He comes up alongside of them as they're walking from Jerusalem to Emmaus, which is about seven miles. And they don't recognize him. And I'm not even going to try to get into what, what, what dynamic is happening here. Is it, was it their unbelief? Was it, was it God blinding them? I don't know. I don't know how it all worked. But the reality is Jesus is with them. They don't recognize him. And the truth of the matter is, even in our own lives, fast forward 2,000 years later, it's easy for, for God's presence to be around us and we just don't recognize it. We don't see what God's doing. I mean, think of the amount of moments in your life where it, it, it took so much time and you looked back and you were finally able to see how God was walking with you through that season or what he was doing in your life at the time but when you were in it and in the moment it didn't feel that way you didn't see god in that in that scenario or that situation and you're wondering god where are you god where are you in this like where, where this person passed away and it's incredibly painful god where are you in this this job thing that, that I've been battling, like I, I just, I, I don't have the job that I dreamed I would, I would have. I'm not, not making the money that I thought I could or should or would be making by now. 
God, where are you? This family situation with my mom and my dad that just feels like hell on earth. God, where are you in this? I don't see you. And the reality is God himself, his very presence can be with you. And, and yet, and here you are walking on this journey and yet you still just don't recognize him. Been there? I think everybody has. We've all had moments, you might be in a moment right now where it's just simply difficult to recognize where God is. Sometimes God is difficult to recognize. Some people bottle everything up, might I add. Like, the, the difficulty and pain of this moment, they don't recognize what God is doing. They, 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 these two people that are Jews in this moment walking to Emmaus, they know all the church stuff. And yet here they are, the, you know, the, the, the faithful church attender, and yet they're not sensing God's presence. They don't know what's happening. They're not connecting the dots with the Old Testament and what Jesus just did. It's not making sense to them. They don't know, like I said, up from down. And some people in the midst of pain, they bottle up all the stuff that's going on and they don't say anything. And then other people like myself, you need to talk it out. And so here we've got two people, they're talking this thing out on their, their journey. They're, you know, they've got their, their sandals on, they're walking on the dirt path, and they are, they got to talk this out, right? What on earth is going on? This isn't what we thought like, bro, I thought we were going to be delivered from Rome. I thought this, I thought this thing was going down. Like Jesus was the mighty prophet, like in the Old Testament, we were going to be delivered. And like, this was it. I just punched my one-way ticket. And now he's dead, but yet they, they're saying he's also alive and the tomb is empty. And dude, I don't know what to believe. I don't see God in any of this. You guys with me? So here we are in verse 25. Jesus says to them, you gotta love Jesus in this moment. <laughs> Jesus isn't being mean, by the way, when, when, as I read this, but he's just, he's, he's checking them in the boards a little bit as faithful, quote unquote, church attenders right? How foolish you are <laughs> and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. Now I'm going to pause right there just for a second. I'm in seminary going back to school right now, and I have to tell you, one of the coolest assignments that we had was the professor saying, I want you to convince me that Jesus is who he said he is with nothing but your Old Testament. I was like, uh, I've been a Christian for how long? Like it, forever? I can't do it. I couldn't do it. I didn't know how to do it. And yet, this is, there is no New Testament at the time. 
Right? There's no, there's no Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians. None of that exists. There's the only, there's only the Old Testament. And Jesus is literally quoting and explaining the Old Testament and he's bringing it to life for them. And their eyes are, you know, they're beginning to open. Holy smokes. And the only thing that they have to go on is what they've seen and experienced and the Old Testament itself. Pretty amazing. Okay, that was Andy's nerd, nerd out, Bible nerd moment. Okay. They approached the village to which they were going. Jesus continued on as if he were going further. Let me say that one more time. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going further, but they urged him strongly. Stay with us, for it's nearly evening. The day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them, and when he was at the table with them, he took bread, he gave thanks, he broke it, and he began to give it to them. Their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. They asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road? And he opened the scriptures to us. Jesus, I mean, is this like, you know, Thanos snapping his fingers, you know, and Jesus just poof, disappears. Did he slowly, you know, did he, was it like a slow disappearing, you know, invisibility? I, I have so many wondering thoughts in this moment of how this looked, you know, did, did somebody like drop something, you know, that they bend over to pick it up and, and then all of a sudden, where did Jesus go? Like he just is gone, you know, like a, a trick of the camera in a movie or a show. But somehow or another, they're at the table. They've invited Jesus in, right? There's something about the, this man that they're walking with. They don't recognize him, but something is happening in their hearts as they walk with him. And he's talking to them about the scriptures and, and they urge him strongly to come with them. He's going to keep walking. He's going further. And yet they're like, Jesus, please stop. Like, please, or no, excuse me, not Jesus, but, but whatever his name was, whatever the stranger was going by, please stop. Please stay with us. Have dinner with us. And so Jesus does. And as they break the bread and they sit at the table together, their eyes are opened and Jesus disappears. They recognize him. And it, the, the scriptures tell us in just a moment, they get right back up from the table. And they begin the journey right back to Jerusalem. Another seven miles. Because they've got to do what? They've got to tell their friends. Far be it from me to have encountered Christ, the risen one. And now go tell people about it. Tell my friends about it. Tell the ones who are as confused about it as, as me. What I love about this account, and it's so simple, church. It's so simple that even when I was working on the message, I thought, okay, I don't know that I can say this. Because... If you've grown up going to church, you're going to be, your eyes may roll into the back of your head. 
because it's so simple. And yet, what is it that the scriptures tell us? That, that God, on a, the regular, he, he confounds, he confuses the wisdom of the world with the simplicity of faith. See, many times with God, what you see is not what you get. See, with King Saul, if you remember in the Old Testament, he looked the leader, didn't he? But in reality, he was the wimp, right? He was faithless. He was a coward. And then you have the shepherd boy, David, right? Who looked like the, 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 the weakling, who kind of looked like the young guy, surely not. And yet, who was he? He's the warrior, the warrior poet who slays Goliath. And so time and time again, throughout the scriptures, we've got moments where what we see with God is not what we get with God. And so here we are in another one of these scenarios. And in these moments, you've got people walking with God and what you see isn't what you get. Jesus is not stuck in the grave. Jesus is not, in fact, dead. Oh, also, the devil, it looks like he's won and it looks like he's victorious, but in Christ's death. We reign victorious. What you see is not what you get. And so what happens in this moment? You've got people who are confused. People who don't have all the answers, which God never asks you to have all the answers, by the way. He doesn't ask you to have the answers. He asks you to have faith. And so what do they invite them to do? Whether you're in middle school today, high school, college, whether you are married, divorced, whether you're 95, whether you're 19, whether you're 9. Cleopas and, her, and the companion, they do one thing. They invite Jesus in. That's it. Would you please stay? Would you please come? Would you please come in? Would you, would you please, would you please just be with us? The power of an invitation, church, I cannot, this is the thing that I was saying to you that I, I don't even know that I want to stand up here and say this, and yet how many moments in your life have been so life-altering and so defining, and it actually started with the most simple and basic thing, the power of an invitation. I have been married for 17 years. <laughs> 17 years. <laughs> Thank you. Just making sure. You know how it started? Inviting this beautiful girl out on a date. And to be fair, I don't know that I really invited her on the date. I basically just said, I'm coming to pick you up. And... I didn't really ask her, so sorry. We went to a restaurant called the Yellow Porch, right? Remember it very vividly, we both were nervous, right? It was the invitation. Would you go out with me? I'm coming to pick you up. And that turned into 17 years of being married with four kids, multiple churches, and living in Kennesaw, Georgia. And we didn't script any of this the way that it has turned out. It wasn't on my quote-unquote bingo card, but what needed to happen, simply put, was, was the power of an invitation. How many of you have friends 
that you're, you're just like, this is one of my dearest friends. I can't imagine life without this person. And it started over a cup of coffee. Somebody just asking you out for coffee or to go to the gym together or, or to play baseball together, your kids or the neighbor or to church. How many of you have had your lives changed forever because someone simply invited you to a Bible study or invited you to a church service and you heard the gospel and you responded. And where did it start? It started in the power of an invitation. Some of you have jobs. And yes, it's a job offer. I get it. But at the end of the day, it still is an invitation for you to work for this company and to say yes for a certain amount of money. And in that moment, you discover the passion that God has put in your heart for what you do for a living. And it started with what? An invitation. And here we have these disciples who don't know up from down. They don't get it. They're confused. And I want you to hear this even in your own life. That is okay. It's okay that you don't have all the answers. What you need to do in this moment is extend an invitation for Jesus to step in further to your life. Would you just, Jesus, would you, would you come into this? Jesus loves to respond to invitation. Look at the New Testament. Jesus goes to parties, goes to a wedding, right? He goes to parties that people throw for him. He's invited into Peter's mom's house to heal her. He heals her. He's invited to pray for the sick, right? And so he does, right? He's invited to divide food together and, and, and make this work, feed 5,000. And he responds, you have Jairus, please heal my child. You have soldiers and centurions and people and disciples. And over and over again, Jesus is invited in simple ways into situations and scenarios. And over and over again, he steps in. And my question for you today on the other side of Easter is where in your life do you need to invite Jesus today? The road to Emmaus reminds us to invite Jesus afresh into our hearts and into our lives. Where do you need to invite him? Where has the door been shut? Understand, Jesus, I want you to hear this. I realize this can be a theology conversation, but Jesus is planning to keep on. He's planning to keep, to, to keep walking. He's going to go to the next place. But he stops when he is invited. Jesus is planning to keep on walking, but he stops and he gives us time. He gives his energy. He gives his life. He gives revelation, right, to those who stop and invite him in. Where do you need to invite Jesus today? He desires to enter where he is invited. Revelation 3, in the book of Revelation, I don't preach out of it a ton, but there are a lot of churches that are getting a, a little dial adjustment and they're getting corrected, right, in terms of forsaking their first love. Oh, they've got the church stuff down, but they've drifted in their heart from relationship with Jesus. In other words, 
Jesus is kind of on the outside looking in. And so in Revelation 3, what what does Jesus literally say? He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. I don't know about you, but I grew up going to church. I am used to church stuff. I'm used to the songs and I'm used to the sermons and I'm used to the hour long XYZ and the, you know, the three song set or the four this. And I, I didn't grow up in churches like this per se. I grew up in the Midwest. We didn't have Baptist churches, you know, kind of like this action. Beautiful. We didn't have that. Right. But, but I'm used to all of this. I get it. It makes sense to me. Some of you grew up Catholic. Some of you grew up Baptist. Some of you grew up with nothing. And so this is not something that you are used to at all. Some of you grew up with a more gospel, fiery, you know, expression on Sunday morning. Praise God for all of it. It's easy for you to be around all of these faith things and your eyes not be opened to Jesus and your heart burning for relationship with him. You've just gotten used to it or you've just allowed yourself to be confused and you just say, well, that's just kind of how it is. And we just kind of apathetically throw up our hands and we allow ourselves to just exist in this life and we're, we're no longer hungry and passionate for the things of God. We just exist. And God wants our eyes to be open and our hearts to burn within us. And the only way that happens is to continually be inviting Jesus in. Where in your life do you need to invite Jesus today? Where do you need to ask him? It's that simple. Jesus will come in, Jesus will sit, Jesus will dine with you, and Jesus will light your heart on fire for you. One of the most common conversations as we transition into just doing this thing that I'm talking about, one of the most common conversations that I have with people right now in 2023 is that they just don't feel alive in their faith. It's just, I'm kind of bored with it. And they kind of need that little defibrillator paddle shock moment. And the way that happens, church, is humbling your heart and inviting Jesus in. Amen? Stand to your feet today. Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm not asking you to come down front. I'm not asking you to raise your hand. I'm not asking you to do anything, but simply in your seat today, have a moment with God Himself. That's the beauty of prayer. right? Whatever you're going through, whatever's in your mind, whatever you're carrying in with you, whatever weight you've been dragging along with you, you can still go to God in prayer and He still hears you. 
It doesn't matter the, the junk that you brought with you today. The great news, as you heard even uh, in worship, is that Jesus, when He died on that cross 2,000 years ago, He took our sin and He took our shame. And that means you can, with every breath, in your lungs, you can pray and ask God into your situation. Nothing is separating you from God. There's nothing today that separates you from God. And so you get to ask yourself, God, where is there any place where I need to invite you? Maybe, maybe my heart is hard towards somebody. And I need to forgive. Maybe I'm just afraid and I'm carrying the weight of this fear. Maybe I'm going through a hardship in my marriage or in my parenting. It can be hard. It can be difficult. It can be going through a divorce. It can be going through job loss. Who knows what you might be going through and you don't see God in it. Today's your day to invite Jesus in and give Him everything. Father, right now in this moment, we thank You for Your Son, Jesus. We believe that He is who He said He was, that He is the Son of the living God. And God, we thank You that You are alive. You aren't some distant relationship. You aren't angry. You aren't Zeus with lightning bolt on Mount Olympus. No, You are God with us. And you sent your son, Jesus, that we might know him and that our eyes might be open and we might have real relationship with you. And God, today, Lord, we invite you in. We're like friends sitting at a table eating together. We invite you in, God, that we might have relationship with you. Come all the way in. Right where you are, just have a moment right, right now. Whatever scenario or whatever situation, you can whisper it, you can say it in your mind, you can talk it out. But I want you to give that thing to Jesus right here, right now. Jesus, there is none like you. We thank you that we can cast our cares upon you. And Lord, we give you all today. We give you everything. We hold nothing back. It's in the wondrous, beautiful, and mighty name of Jesus that we say amen. Amen.